Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. gentlemen how are you hey doing well yep. hercules hello hi nick never how better. are you hi never nick. better hi hercules hey, hello great, great to have you with uh, all of you guys I, I was looking forward to this all day me too oh, we have too thank you thanks nick so without further ado i leave the show in your capable hands and i'll be here with an occasional comment or two uh, but otherwise i'll be uh, listening uh, with open ears and an open heart well, thanks. thanks hercules i hope you guys got the picture of the scepter that we sent uh, the uh, scepter thank from- you so much yes indeed wow that was amazing thank you yeah, i don't think that- i received it i would have uh, i would have noticed that uh, i think oh, really? let me go quick I sent an email about, uh, oh, it was a couple of weeks ago. I sent the picture of the Jade Scepter from Silai Temple. Uh, I think it's like yes, the first. Yes, I did see that. Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, it, it was, we bought it from Silai Temple. That's H-S-I, second word is L-A-I. Silai Temple. It's uh, either the largest or second largest Buddhist temple in the Western Hemisphere, and it's just oh. about 40, 40 minutes from us. And we, uh, you know, we visit there periodically uh, to gain some inspiration. And they have an absolutely fabulous buffet, <laughs> vegetarian <laughs> buffet, <laughs> for all the, you know, for for monks and nuns and for the lay people who uh, are trying to be conscientious about their eating, you know. So, uh, I gotta, I gotta ask uh, because you just said that. Uh, what is in the buffet? I'd be curious. Oh well, they have all kinds of. Well, they have salad items, of course. 
but they have uh, noodle dishes. They have curry dishes. They have dishes that kind of look like meat a little bit sometimes, uh, but they have lots of tofu and veggies, and they have yummy. They have yummy tea. Like sometimes they have like a hibiscus tea or a flower tea mm. or jasmine tea with it. And bean sprouts. <laughs> oh yeah, bean sprouts, and they they have little desserts and things, and oh, it's just really. Oh, sweet. and it's it's so long. I mean, it's like you know the length of a whole house. You know, it seems like. It's, wow. This is really? wow. big. This is not a restaurant. This is just this is unbelievable. Well, they have they have two, you know, they have two long trays of the same items because there are so many people that come. Yeah, well, that does make it bigger, they, I guess. They I'm, double, they double uh-huh. the items, you know, so so people can get in and out because, you know, the place is full for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, we're lucky to get a place. We're very lucky. And it's and it's uh, in the downstairs area of the temple, so, you know, you're you're right underneath. You're right underneath the main temple, and the main temple is huge, you know, about three oh, yeah. stories. Beautiful. Um, it's got uh, Buddhas all over the place, and it's got the big the big drum. Uh, they've got the huge altar with all the beautiful, uh, you know, flowers and offerings, and people are meditating. They're meditating uh, on kneelers. They're meditating on uh, cushioned benches. Around the perimeter, uh, so when you guys come out, oh, you have to see the light. Oh, absolutely! That that will be on my list too. Absolutely, from what you and, and uh, Diane described, it sounds amazing. And I got to ask you, what did they serve? Was it teas and things like that, or what did they oh, serve no. to drink? Oh, oh, to drink. Oh, well, they have water and they have different types of teas. Um, fruit juice. Yeah, they have fruit juice. Uh huh. Apple juice and things like that, but not not too much. Uh, that there's no soda, of course, and no, no right. coffee or anything like that. Uh, it's right. all just just different kinds of of teas, you know. Um, and they they're all delicious because they're they're all fresh and fresh flowers, you know, jasmine flowers and things yeah. like that that are really. Uh, that also smell good. The fragrances of everything is, is you know, really wonderful. Teas, speaking of teas, I just bought um, a celestial uh, oh. box with different kinds of teas in there, and the one delicious one was the peach tea. Have you ever had that? I have. Yeah, it's the sample. Did you get oh, the sa- yeah. You must have gotten the sampler with peach passion. Yes, that's exactly right, <laughs> Michael. I did. And yeah. boy, it, it just was like yum. That was amazing. Um, Her- Hercules, uh, did, yes. are you there? Did you know that um, that Mo Siegel was at 19 years old in Colorado and used to gather these herbs for teas? And he is well. I think he's the major person that began yeah, celestial gentleman. seasonings. And yes, yes, he shared that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think that's an amazing thing, and what a wonderful thing to go along with the Urantia book, something so healthy and, and relaxing and, and a really uh, nice addition to a meal, you know, a nice celestial tea. So you like Absolutely. the peach, Delicious. Right? Delicious. I and too. I love the fact that they named it Celestial Teas. I mean, of all right. the names they could have picked, I yes. thought that was very cool. 
celestial teas. Wow. Well, you know, I must tell you that the peach is very important in the Chinese literature. I, I bought a beautiful chest, and when you come, you can see it. And I bought it. It's black lacquer. It's quite large, really, uh, probably about three feet by uh, two and a half feet or almost three by three feet. It's, it's a chest, but on the top is hand-painted, and it's a scene of the immortals up in heaven having a beautiful peach festival. Oh, really? Yes. Now, they only have the Peach Festival every uh, so often, like every few million years, like every 250 million years. And they have this for the immortals up in heaven. There is a certain heaven uh, in the Chinese literature. They have a name for it where the immortals gather uh, at that time. And then they celebrate the peach festival. They drink the peach tea, and uh, it's really a very beautiful thing that they uh, have and that occurs. Oh, that sounds wonderful, and the chest sounds delightful. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> you know, I was at the uh, I was at the UN last week, and there was an amazing event there. It was uh, the Buddhist uh, community of dancers and singers. Oh. And oh. priests, and they performed uh, with amazing, amazing songs. And Michael, you would be interested. Well, the one that really stood out at the very end of this amazing presentation at the UN, uh, the uh, the uh, head of a priest uh, grabbed the guitar, which he was playing very well, and he said, "These are the lyrics to the song I'm going to sing." And like you all to join join me in the song, and the lyrics are, uh, "I love you, I love you, I love you," and that was and that was it. That was the total amount of the lyrics, and and he absolutely pulled it off. He did a full length song, and everybody kept singing that "I love you, I love you, I love you" to a melody, and it was one of the best things in the whole presentation. I just wanted to make sure I told you that. So, oh, yeah. so what is the uh, what's the Buddhist Buddhist festival like at the UN? I mean, is it well, something that they do every year? Uh, I don't know that, but I do know that um, there are Buddhists who come to the uh, events that I I attend at the uh, UN a couple of times a month, and they're there. Oh. And I've been to some private parties, and the Buddhists are there, and they are in their full regalia and sometimes they will they will play drums or uh they um have that uh, I can't think of the vibration um what do you call that the um the bowl the, uh, and the yes the bowl with the vibrations bowl. and they'll bring that so they're very very close to the uh this group uh at the UN that uh, does these uh, presentations and it, it was just simply uh a time when they chose to book that kind of event and I, I thought, oh boy, I got, I can't miss that. And it was wonderful. I think it lasted about two and a half hours. Oh my, oh my goodness. Oh well, we would uh, go to Sea Light Temple uh, every week for a long period of time to uh, engage in a class that we took with a Dr. Santucci, and he oh. gave us a class on Buddhism and Buddhism around the world. 
And it was the same class my son had taken at his college. (laughs) So he recommended it to us. And uh, Dr. Santucci became a a friend. We actually got to have dinner with him and uh, really enjoyed his company. But it was really fun. So we really got close to uh, Selai Temple because we would go there every week for quite a while, the first year that we uh, found them. Well, actually, Dr. Santucci was, he was, uh, your son's mentor for his yes, uh, my son's for uh-huh. his doctoral thesis. Yes, yes. Oh wow. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. My my son did a thesis also uh, on uh, the Theosophical Society too, and uh, that was uh, also helped by Dr. Santucci. The history of the uh-huh, the history of the Theosophical uh, Society. Is that ever available online? Uh, does he have that in a digital form? I would love to read that. I'm not sure. I'll have to find out. You know, it never occurred to me. Um, this was quite a while ago, um, years ago. <laughs> right. When, but he well, has it's possible. His, yeah, it's possible. He has his Ph.D. Uh, in history, and um, I, I took him to England to see uh, a lot of uh, the original theosophical um, homes, uh, like of Blavatsky's home. We got to oh, see. Oh, yeah and uh, things like that. So uh, my son really um, uh, got into it, uh, into theosophy quite a bit. Of course, we all became theosophists, and my son too. So, uh, and he married a girl who was a priestess of Maitreya Great Dow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so <laughs> so she, <laughs> she, has been, she had been in uh, Maitreya Great Dow all her life, all her life. And so my son uh, really got into that, and then, of course, we did, too, you know. And, and uh, my daughter-in-law um, bought us a beautiful altar, the altar that we have in the living room, and a lot of her Chinese um, statuary we have because they travel so much and they don't really have room for all of this. So we have a lot of her beautiful things. Mm. Oh, that sounds great. That really does. I bet the marriage ceremony must have been beautiful. Just, I'm sure oh, it was. Of course, and we did travel to uh, Malaysia right after uh, the wedding, and uh, of course that's when we met Master Wong there, who was the head of Maitreya um, Great Dao. He resides in Taiwan, and we went to Taiwan first, and then flew over to Malaysia. But uh, it's really interesting. It's an interesting uh, place. The Dao headquarters. The Dow headquarters is in Taiwan, and they have, uh, in 2011, they built a beautiful complex, a world headquarters complex. And in a couple of our our, uh, videos on our YouTube channel, we show the picture of the temple. Uh, But it was was fantastic. Uh, It was a fantastic trip to Malaysia. We didn't go to Taiwan, but we went to Malaysia. Well, we did. We did go to Taiwan, but we weren't there very long. Well, we were. And on then we, yeah, plane. and then we flew over with Master Wong from Taiwan to Malaysia. Yeah. But we weren't there and, very long, I know. And you know, speaking of, speaking of the Buddhists, you know, because we're we've been throwing a little uh, Buddhism in here, um, you know, we're all uh, we're all uh, champions of interfaith. You know, and the mm-hmm. celestials that the celestials that uh, create, administer, and uphold uh, all of humanity, regardless of their, you 
you know, religious persuasion or spiritual group. Um, Absolutely. But the Buddhists, um, the Maitreya Great Tao, it's, it's interesting. Um, Maitreya Great Tao is a, it's a Chinese folk religion that is uh, an amalgamation of Buddhism, Taoism, from Lao, Lao Tzu, and, uh, We're getting and some feedback. Uh, uh, oh. Your words are being repeated, Michael. Yeah, okay. How about now? Is that okay? That's great. Yeah. So it's a it's an amalgamation of Buddhism, uh, Taoism, and Confucianism. Wow. And it's and uh, that's an interesting combination because uh, you know the Theosophical Society, the Theosophists, uh, Blavatsky, especially uh, you know Blavatsky in her her um, incredible work, The Secret Doctrine. She tries to show how uh, how the wisdom of the gods penetrates all different religions uh, and all different spiritual thought. You know, so so theosophy for us uh, opened us up to some of the Eastern uh, ways of thinking about the celestials. You know, and about the cosmos, and of mm-hmm. course now. Now, uh, one of our main focuses is uh, through the Urantia book and showing, showing people of the West uh, that, that Western type of uh, theosophy through the Urantia book, you know, and, and Hercules. You have just opened us up <laughs> to a whole new quote-unquote pantheon. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm greatly honored. <laughs> we are finding uh, so many incredible parallels with, uh, you know, these these beings we've read about in the Arantia book, these beings we're experiencing in our team meetings, and uh, how they fit in the Olympian pantheon, but kind of with a different twist. Right. Uh, with, with what they're telling us and what they want us to what they want us to express at this time, you know. So it's very, very exciting. Uh, and of course, tying in with the tying in with the Buddhism. I think a little more feedback, but tying in with the Buddhism and all of these different religions and spiritual traditions, we're coming to a time of the uh, new worldwide religion of love with Mother Venus, Aphrodite, um, and and. Gabriel, Spirit of Truth, Hephaestus, that they are going to move us in a new direction, and it's very, very exciting. Yes, yes. Um, you know, I just want to mention um, Hercules. You said you got my new painting. Yes, they're beautiful. Yes, they're beautiful. <laughs> yes, they're beautiful. Um, I got, I got the the older, the original painting. I have a second copy of that, uh, and then uh, Poseidon. Uh, as uh, I shared uh, before, um, Athena and I decided to uh, uh, pursue our ministries again, and uh, we already set up an office in our home, and uh, um, after uh, this uh, uh, period uh, passes that we're currently going through, we're going to put the golden fleece back on the wall, and we already had uh, one uh, meeting in our home. We're going to open it up, and we have uh, a good dozen or so people uh, who will be coming 
to these uh, services. And of course, Nick, you're near enough. Uh, you're always invited. You know that. Um, I and, will definitely uh, take you up on that. I absolutely will, and I'm sure the, uh, my partner Hal would love that. So yes. Oh yes, yes, yes. That would be incredibly awesome. And uh, so that will be happening uh, very shortly. And I wanted to take this opportunity too. Uh, um, I'm finally ready to move forward with uh, um, the another part of my mission, as it were, uh, to create a theosophical forum. I already have a theurgy oh. forum where some of the world's most prominent uh, theurgists um, uh, get together on a podcast and we discuss uh, issues about ancient theurgy, modern theurgy, and we're building a bridge from the the past to the present uh, because um, a lot of this information went underground and it it existed in uh, magical uh, and fraternal lodges and now it's come out again. Uh, and uh, theosophy is once again being discussed openly, and uh, the connections are being made, and all that was hidden is being revealed. So um, I, I would like to invite you uh, um, both, uh, you know, both group, you. groups Thank of people, uh, to represent uh, um, your spiritualities in these conversations on the new and emerging theosophy, which is different but the same as the ancient theosophy and different yet the same as what uh, Blavatsky brought forth. Um, it's, it's part of this evolution. So uh, I would like for us now to draw more and more attention to that to show that we have a lot more in common uh, than we thought we did because this information was kind of segmented and hidden and it doesn't have to be anymore. No, no. Um, uh, I just wanted to mention about Poseidon that uh, this is the only name that we really have for him, the Greek, you know, Neptune and Poseidon. But but it was interesting. Uh, my girlfriend came over, and she's uh, a Catholic. She has been all uh-huh. her life. And I was telling her about uh, a little bit about Poseidon and my picture and showed it to her. But, you know, it's so interesting because um, she had not the concept that the gods were over all of the planets, and that could yes. possibly be like the Buddhists celebrate um, a, a, an occasion every millions of years. You know, she can. She says she can only think about. You know that that religion is just two thousand years old, and it's hard for her to imagine gods that could maybe have existed for millions or billions of years. And I think that this is a, a, a point that we need to get across to the people of the different religions, that these gods have not been just in existence during our so-called uh, time here on this earth, but they have been up there for millions and billions and trillions of years, for, yes. for millions and billions and trillions of planets. And I think this is something we need to open people's eyes that these gods then could have different names during different periods of time. Um, I think people restrict their their thinking to just the last two or three thousand years and don't even think that their that their gods existed before that. that that's very uh, true. And uh, um, uh, now our world is struggling with uh, globalism as opposed to nationalism or, or tribalism. Uh, and uh, uh, they don't know that among cosmic uh, spiritualities, our entire solar system is our is our, like our local block that we live on. <laughs> so, of course. Uh, 
our, our mind is past uh, the globalism, past the nationalism, past the tribalism, into uh, um, you know galacticism or celestialism, and uh, that we really need to think that far ahead to solve our problems. Uh, as long as we're like lizards on, on separate rocks, bobbing our heads at each other and uh, uh, not moving, <laughs> uh, many of the problems we have in our, our world will not be solved. We need to think above and beyond where we're thinking. Uh, in order yeah, to... yeah. Um, you know, this is uh, what Poseidon was telling us, that he is not uh, with the magisterial mission per se, but he is there at all times for our yeah. planet and for the ones in this solar universe. And he was saying that when this magisterial mission is over, and uh, Mars is included in this magisterial mission, and when Mars is reseated, that is the time when he will really uh, go into action, per se, because he is the god of water, and he is going to uh, supply the water for Mars and reseed and repopulate it. And the thing is, this magisterial mission does not just affect the Earth, even. Like, you are trying to broaden people's uh, ideas, and, and, and that's good that the whole solar system will benefit from our magisterial mission here on yes. this Earth. Yeah, the whole solar system. It affects all of the planets, what we do here. And and I think we need to think about that, too. Our actions actually affect the other planets in our in our whole universe. I think another part of what you're saying, another wing of that, is the fact that when we started doing atomic bombs and nuclear bombs and, and setting them off, uh, it sent shockwaves uh, not, not just uh, on our own planet, but, but way further out. And that's when we started getting contact with beings from other realms that were, were saying to us, you need to stop this now because you're going to destroy yourself if you don't. And there's yeah. a lot of documentation on that amazing contact situation. And when someone says, uh, maybe we'll have contact someday, it's already happened. It's already happened. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to go into it now because that's a huge story, but I'm of just course. saying that what you're saying, Diane, is absolutely true. One thing connects with the, with the next, and it goes way out into space. Uh, well, and again, as we talked a little bit the last time that we were speaking last month, it also affects the beings that are inside the Earth and inside all of these planets. Well, that's you a good cannot, point. You know, have these atomic bombs going off without affecting and disrupting inner core too. Absolutely. Inner core. So, Absolutely. you know, it's we really unwise. We were very unwise as to say, no, we're not going to agree to stop this. We're going to continue with this, and uh, we're not going to accept your uh, information that would excel our science and our medicines, which, would, which they offered advanced knowledge of all of that, if we would, if we would absolutely listen to reason. And uh, I know our government said no. Uh, to a couple, of, uh, at a couple of occasions that we know of, we, uh, again, this is highly classified materials, but we know for a fact that that happened at least twice, and uh, boy, that's uh, 
it, it's really uh, mind-boggling to think that we said no to something that would have been so amazing and uplift us in so many ways of medicine and science. And wow. we said, no, we're going to continue with the bombs. Oh, brother. Oh, my. Oh, my. Yes. Um, but we must take responsibility for what what our actions are producing in our world and then reaching out to the others. And that's why I think that we have so many celestials involved in this magisterial mission with our Earth. So many, yep. because it does affect the other planets. It does affect our whole solar universe. And you take Poseidon, who not only is uh, particularly the head of Neptune, the planet, but but also uh, has his interest in Mars and the Earth, and he said many other planets, too. Uh, and, of course, our emotional bodies, he also told us that he was very uh, involved with, too. So, you know, the, the bodies that, uh, that we have, emotional bodies, our mental bodies, and so forth, are, are all uh, under the jurisdiction of many different celestials. And I think that's it. You know, we go along with our daily life, and we don't realize how important and what a difference that one person could make. One person could make enormous difference in this world, bringing about yeah, well, peace and yeah, yeah. Uh, trying to put out the word that, that uh, the whole universe will benefit by, by bringing more peace just to um, our world. Not only our world will benefit, but other worlds, too. Absolutely. And the dimensions, uh, there was a lot of a discussion about the various dimensions that are also affected. It's not just on one level here. It involves many, many different levels. And that's another whole uh, uh, conversation, but it goes very, very deep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we're we're asleep for eight to ten hours every night, you know. I mean, of course, we're (laughs) involved in other dimensions, and even when we're awake, we are, of course. (laughs) So, of course, it affects us. Yes, so it's very important what we do. You know, I think uh, Diane touched on, uh, she touched on the word responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think uh, it, it seems to me through, uh, you know, through a lot of different studies, a lot of different spiritual studies, we see that there are kind of, uh, there are a couple things going on here in this this particular level of reality anyway. You have celestials, God, Jesus, different celestials, you know, pantheism, polytheism, whatever you ascribe to, you have these these superpowered beings who have kind of created everything and they, they oversee everything, you know. And we have we have personal relationships with them. Right. Not just not just as a collective. They're not just influencing us and working with us and, you know, quote unquote ruling over us, keeping everything balanced, uh, as a collective but that we also have personal relationships with them, and that spreads out to uh, having personal relationships with all of our human brothers and sisters also. So there, there's responsibility, I think. I think there's a responsibility to uh, have that relationship with the celestials, work with them, but to also develop ourselves as the best vehicle we can be for helping God fulfill, or God's fulfill that mission 
but also to help others in our family and our communities and all that. So there are some responsibilities. Uh, and Maitreya, Lord Maitreya, I think at this time, it seems that he is intervening to try and get us to get back to some understanding of our responsibilities. So mm-hmm. he's, been, he's been giving us uh, he's been giving us some messages, you know. He's been giving humanity some messages. Uh, he's been giving us some messages to you know share with others. Um, I'm not sure that a lot of people are <laughs> hearing too too many of his messages at this point. But, uh, you know, we've received 25 messages for the world from Maitreya in our team meetings. And it's interesting because this last, this last message, this last meeting we had with Maitreya, as a matter of fact, it was with Maitreya, the Infinite Mother Spirit, uh, Gabriel, also known as Hephaestus, the Spirit of Truth, and also Karina, who in the Olympian pantheon we found is Rhea. Okay. So the team meeting we had with them was for uh, Rhea to share a message, which Diane can talk about a little bit. But uh, I wanted to, I wanted to uh, share my Trey's 25th message that talks about great. how. Yeah. Thanks. That talks about how we can how we can uh, live our lives so that we take on more of a responsibility for helping ourselves, helping others, and helping the celestials do their work. And this is what Maitreya said. First of all, he said he was very optimistic, so that's good. <laughs> yes, that's good. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, for our, for our planet, right? <laughs> Because he's, he's over, right now, in his 50-year magisterial mission, he's over the Earth, and he's over Mars, which we've talked about a little bit with Poseidon's work on Mars during the magisterial mission, and also Athena's work on Mars, and Mother Venus, Gabriel, too. But he's very optimistic. So that's good, because sometimes he comes to us and he says he's concerned, or sometimes he's not happy, but he seemed to be optimistic. So it seems like maybe things are going along okay. But this is what he says for us personally. He says that we need to balance our lives more so that we can hear more of the truth from Gabriel and that we can turn to God more. He's saying he's saying uh, have more quiet time in your life. Find more of a balance between your uh, with your activities between your active life and your meditative life or the time that you spend reflecting or talking to God. So balance your time and your activities, but he also said to be more quiet. He said, if you are on your screen, <laughs> it's harder. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> if you are on your screen, it's harder to talk to God. So he said, less screen equals more time to talk to God. And he said, you cannot hear the truth if you are on your screen too much. Mm. 
And to find more quiet, he said, and we had discussed this, I believe, last time, and one of the times we discussed this led to um, led to the suggestion to create a sacred space or a temple in your home, which Hercules has done. So yes. you create, yeah, you create a sacred space or a temple in your home where you can go to be more quiet and find that balance. Okay, he says find this balance so you can have the energy and you can have the truth to change your life for the future life of this planet and for others. And then he also said, thank all of the people that are trying to do good. Whether they know they're working for the magisterial mission or the celestials or not, give them a smile and thank them and pray for them. So our responsibilities are to balance our lives, talk to God, have a deeper relationship so we can help ourselves, help others, help our planet, and help the celestials do their job. Excellent advice. Absolutely. No, I don't think anybody can question that. That is just superb. Well, Nick, I just want to say that you are a person that does, I believe, all of this. You have talked about how you give a smile to people. And you know that is probably the best gift that anyone can give in this world, if everyone gave a smile. Especially in New York. Especially in New York. (laughs) Well, you know, a a lot of times that absolutely reflects back to me that when you do something like that, or sometimes... Uh, very recently, a couple of days ago, there was a very elderly man trying to make his way down the street. And when he came past me, his eyes went to me, and I just nodded my head. And he nodded his. But it was like the acknowledgement that I, I understand, I see, I see your challenges, and I'm just acknowledging you as a person. And he, he absolutely acknowledged me back. And the, those are the moments that you realize the connections that can be made and should be made. Yes. Um, I I want to um, bring out the second part of our meeting on March the 30th, and that was um, with also Corina, and she is who we call Rhea. She has uh, given us her name from the Greek pantheon. And uh, I wanted just to give you a little background here on how the meeting started. It was March the 30th. It was 10 a.m. in the morning, and we had Maitreya on the left. We had the Infinite Mother next. We had Gabriel was third, and then on the fourth to our right was Rhea. Um, Now, I wanted to mention to you, just so you can get a little bit of an idea of what this meeting looked like, Um, we saw them on benches in front of us. And the benches looked like marble, and we've had them on benches before. But this was in our home. This was in our home, though inside. Yeah. Uh, but they're not marble, so I don't know what they are. Now, they came to us this time full size. Now, a lot of times, I have to be honest with you, they will come like they're about 10 inches tall, and it's like a hologram in Star Wars or something, you know? Wow. <laughs> but, <laughs> really, I'm not kidding. 
Uh, but uh, they were full size this time, uh, in relative to our size. Now I, I have read things where maybe they could become the size of a planet or something, but I won't go into yes, that. Yes, they can. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, um, Maitreya, uh, he was the first to find that. And he was in his Middle Eastern body this time with white slacks and a black shirt, long sleeves, sandals, no turban. The Infinite Mother was in a gold top, uh, short sleeve, V-neck, skirt below the knee, and red slippers. I know we talked about shoes at one time. And uh, it seems like that they, uh, what I've seen are like a little, almost like a sock slipper, and then sandals sometimes. I, I haven't seen too much else. Gabriel was in an all-white robe. The sleeve was elbow length. And Rhea was in a short dress above the ankle with slippers on, and she was in pale pink. Um, I wanted to talk just a minute about Rhea because... Um, she opened our eyes to a little bit of what she does. Um, now she's, the, she's the female consort to yes. Cronus. Oh, yes. I, I'll give you that background. I'm sorry. Uh, Rhea is the daughter of Gaia and Uranus, and she is the wife of Cronus, and her Roman name uh, is Sybil. Uh, you know, Hercules, do you know how to pronounce that? Is it Sybil or is it C-Y-B-E-L-E? Um, it, it's Sibel. Sibel? Oh, Sibel. It's French, Sibel, in English. It doesn't really matter. They, they they know who they are and they don't mind how you address them. Like Zeus, for instance, is, is <laughs> That's actually That's what we're trying to tell everybody. Thank you, Hercules. <laughs> Zeus is actually pronounced Zeps. Like Z E F S, it's not it's not Zeus in Greek at all, but uh, uh, th that's how it is in English. And uh, again, it works well with uh, um, the uh, local universe fathers, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we we had an interesting conversation with her because she says that uh, what she does is she sees everything. She sees everything that is going on in all the planets. Uh, she doesn't look for something. She just simply is not just aware. She says she actually sees. She actually sees a sparrow that might be in trouble. She sees a child. She sees what she sees, she says, is suffering. Suffering. Mm. And she wanted people to know that if they are suffering, that they can call her Holy Mother, Holy Mother, and they can pray to her. Now, uh, Nick, I don't, uh, I'm not going to mention who this is, but we have a wonderful Urantia friend that we just found out has uh, fourth-stage uh, uh, liver cancer. Uh, oh, dear. One of my one of my best friends and one of my sweetest uh, young uh, ladies in the Arantia Society, an actress, a singer, a composer. She writes, um, writes poetry. And she's visited our home. And um, uh, so this suffering, uh, she just wrote us a letter about suffering. And this is what Brea says that she does. She looks and is sees the suffering that is going on. 
Now, she doesn't give the mercy herself, she says, or try to help them herself. She gives that to those lower than she, such as the local universe mother, who we call Hera, and uh, other uh, infinite mother, and there are many others that she does give that job to, to try and alleviate the suffering. But she is the one, she says, that sees it and then directs the others to try and help alleviate it when people pray. But if you do pray, she says, call her the Holy Mother. Holy Mother. And I wanted to mention, uh, Nick, maybe you remember reading about the episode of uh, the planet Phenoxia. During the Lucifer Rebellion. During the Lucifer Rebellion. And Pan, P-A-N, it means to see. And this is kind of how, uh, well, uh, yeah, Pan is everything. Uh, this is Rhea, or the Holy Mother. This is how she describes herself, that she sees everything. She sees everything. Yeah. And in the story in the Rapture book, it's in the history of the rebellion, there is a mortal woman, and her name is Eleonora, a young woman of the mortal realm, and she grasped the leadership of the human race, and not a single soul on that strife-torn world enlisted under the Lucifer banner. And then it says in the Arantia book that these loyal panoptions, uh, uh, they yes. also um, they ask as literal custodians of many of the spheres that are in our uh, worlds. And, uh, but I, I thought that was interesting because she described herself that way, the Holy Mother, that she can see everything and all the suffering that is going on. And if you do suffer, then to pray to her, the Holy Mother. And we, and we, we found an interesting connection, guys, because, uh, you know, we were looking uh, up in the dictionary of uh, the word panoptic, panoptic. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there's a definition for panoptic, you know, which sounds very similar to panoptia. Uh, yes. Panop the 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 uh, definition of panoptic is inclusive of all that is visible in one view. Wow. In- in- inclusive of all that is visible in one view, and that's what Rhea says that she does. That she has. She has a an instant snapshot at all times of of what's happening uh, with. Uh, she says she has um, in her in her. Uh, oh, she is in sympathy with all the beings that are sorrowful because she has this snapshot. She knows and she understands and is in sympathy with every bit of suffering on our world and all worlds. And she says, this is a quote from her during the team meeting. She said, I want you to understand that I care about every person, animal. I care about all the birds and the fishes, the insects and the ants, (laughs) every one of them. Wow. I am concerned about their suffering. I do not give out mercy but I have others that do the work for me. 
Wow. And, and she is also she also wanted us to know that she is the holy mother for all of the babies on our planet, unborn, newly born, sick, and also all of the old people, all the people who are, uh, you know, suffering in their physical bodies as they get older. She is concerned. She has been concerned. And if they do suffer, um, if they do suffer, someone, that person or someone can pray for them to the Holy Mother to alleviate their sorrow and their suffering. And I thought... Oh my, that is that is so beautiful because there's so much suffering on our world, you know. No, the thing um, that I want to mention about that though is that I think we're getting some. Feedback. Oh yes, we are. Yeah. I don't know. Um, she wanted us to know that if they were not uh, alleviated with their suffering in this life, that eventually in whatever form that they take after life and wherever they go, everything will be uh, correct with them. They will um, have the the joy, the happiness eventually. You know, in other words, they will find you. <laughs> they will find you no matter where you go. <laughs> in other words, uh, this, this universe is run with law and order, and if you deserve uh, some happiness and you have suffered that that will be restored to you the the joy and and uh, you will find the blessings come to you wherever you go even if you have passed on and i thought that was so wonderful because we, we have to remember that, that this is not the only life and what we're doing here only prepares us for the next one you know when you were describing um the uh, the, the wonderful uh, limitless love uh, that that was going on, uh, caring for all animals, even in, in insects, everything living, uh, and, and I just love that so much. And I met a woman last week. Helen and I were invited to her home, and uh, she is from Germany, um, and she's living here in New York now. And she's just one of the most loving, wonderful people I've ever met in my life. And what she does is people bring her baby squirrels that oh. are homeless that that have fell out of their nest or perhaps their their parents have been killed which can happen and bring animals including birds that are hurt and she has the medical knowledge to help them yeah. and in her home we saw incubators with tiny tiny baby squirrels that look like they just were born and she's taking care of them and nurturing, nurturing them and getting to be full-grown squirrels so they can be released safely into the wild again. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. It was, I was so impressed with her, and she's so dedicated. And uh, the love that she has for these animals was radiating from her. It was quite an experience. I, I just admire her work so much. Uh, uh, and uh, I just wanted to put that out because when you were describing that, I couldn't help but think of a, 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 an actual woman living in New York who is one of the most loving people I've ever met in my life. So I want to share that with you all. Well, thank, thank you. Well, that's wonderful. Thanks, Nick. Those are the type of people that uh, Maitreya wants us to thank. 
Yes, that was part of his message. The ones that are working for the kingdom, (laughs) whether they know it or not. (laughs) Hey, I just wanted to say something really quick, guys, because, uh, you know, uh, Rhea, it's interesting because at the beginning of this uh, radio program, we talked about how, um, you know, the gods are there for everyone, every religion, every spirituality. Um, now, we have made the connection, uh, we have made the connection with the Rancho Book and the Olympian Pantheon that, that uh, Cronus is the eternal son in the Rancho Book. And we've also made the connection that Rhea, the Holy Mother, Karina, is uh, also known as, uh, yeah, Rhea, Rhea, so Cronus and Rhea, that Rhea is the female aspect of the eternal son. And we read about two or three places in the Arantia book about the eternal mother's son mm. and, how the, and how the eternal mother's son is, uh, is the parent of uh, the local universe father, one of the parents of the local universe father, and how they have noticed whoever wrote this paper, this celestial that wrote the particular paper that, that this falls under, noticed that uh, that local universe father, uh, Caesar, you know, Michael the Creator's son, uh, that he, his parent, Rhea, has a tremendous influence upon his character and how he, and how he conducts himself in our local universe. And if she is the Holy Mother and she sees everything and she is, she is uh, mindful and sympathetic to the suffering and to the sorrow of the mortals of planets. I think that brings tremendous comfort knowing that he is embodying uh, those, those attributes mm. as a local universe creator and father. So I just wanted to put that in there that, uh, you know, part of the 10-year plan is to thank the local universe father three times a day for our precious life and to thank our local universe mother his consort uh, three times a day for all of the all of the blessings and the beauty she gives to us and to thank the universal father for helping us to attain world peace but but that connection that connection we've made with Rhea as the mother and um, you know main influencer of uh, local universe father yes yes the rancho book really does insinuate that 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 our local universe father is more influenced by the the mother and i think that's very interesting had you thought about that nick at all that uh, that paragraph in that section about the local universe father yeah, well, yes, absolutely. It, it's it, you know you could read that a uh, hundred times. It's just uh-huh. so layered, uh-huh. so layered uh, as a lot of the ranch book is uh, for sure. But absolutely, and um, there's there's so much there. I mean, that's almost another program just to discuss that. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, it, it's amazing, and the uh, all the section uh, on that. Uh, I mean, I, I I've been reading it recently because I knew we were going to be doing the program tonight and there's just uh-huh. so much yes. there yes yes he is so he is so so terribly tender and sweet and
mankind, you know. I mean, I, I read the stories about Zeus but and uh, the local universe father, but, but uh, you know, when, when you uh, are with him and everything, I mean, it's just so... Uh, well, it just it's impossible to talk about, really. He's just so loving. And <laughs> so really loving. Question, that note, uh, our voice for tonight has to come well, to a close. Uh, oh, thank you, I'd like folks to share their contact information. And, Nick, uh, when you share your contact information, close with uh, what your, your question. Um, but how can folks... Uh, Tune in to all your wonderful work, uh, Michael and Diane. Uh, uh, you want to talk about your YouTube channel? Oh yes, yes. Well, uh, thank you again, Hercules, for uh, for helping us to host this uh, wonderful show, the Magisterial Mission. Mm-hmm. We're very appreciative. Uh, don't forget to balance your life, balance those activities with that restful time where you can, uh, that sacred space, sacred time where you can connect with your. Uh, father that we've been talking about with Rhea. Well, uh, we have some um, some videos, <laughs> 71 of them now. Wow. Uh, on wow. Our, on Fantastic. our YouTube channel. Yes. And that's only the tip of the iceberg for all the team meetings that we've had, spiritual gatherings, our wonderful interviews with uh, Hercules and, and you, Nick, are on a couple of those. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just have some, you know, paintings and songs that go along with the messages of the magisterial mission also. And that YouTube channel is Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, A-N-D, and Duncan, uh, Diane, excuse me, Michael and Diane, D-I-A-N-N-E, Duncan, D-U-N-K-I-N, Michael and Diane Duncan, our YouTube channel, and we uh, want to contact us personally, it's Michael Duncan one at hotmail.com and don't forget to read the Urantia book and maybe study a little theosophy in the meantime (laughs) thank you very much and Nick how can people contact uh, you and uh, the Urantia book uh, New York and uh, DNNY right thank you Hercules Uh, certainly I'd I'd welcome anyone who wants to chat on these subjects Uh, my personal email is n-i-c-k-n-y-n-y the figure one at gmail.com. And the uh, whole Urantia book can be read and also heard because they recorded the entire Rancher book. And that website, and I, I tell you it's one of the most exciting websites, uh, I think, on the net, and that is U-R-A-N-T-I-A-B-O-O-K dot O-R-G. And like I said, you can hear, and I was playing that a while back, and it is incredible to hear it. You can turn up your speakers or your, uh, on your earphones and listen to passages from the Arantia book. So, so I, I highly recommend that. There are yes, links we love to it. We've done it, too. Uh, on uh, Facebook, and I know a lot of our audience is from Facebook, so uh, uh, by f- going to my timeline and finding uh, the thread for uh, today's show, you can click on all these wonderful uh, resources. And Nick, you said you had a quick question before we closed. I think that we all have been quite upset, and I think worldwide, uh, so with the uh, with the horrible bombings and the uh, the carnage that has been oh, happening to to temples, to churches, to synagogues, to places of worship. It, it is such a horrible uh, chapter in our world history, and I, I just want to say to 
to Michael and Diane and, of course, to you, Hercules, and all our listeners to please pray and ask for help for these people who are doing such horrible things. There, there must be an answer to this to stop it. Yes. The suffering. And the suffering. I will, Nick, I will post through. something on that on uh, Facebook and ask people to pray. And thank you, Nick, for bringing that up. That is indeed a horrible thing. And uh, I've yeah. been thinking about reconvening our interfaith organists to see what type of actions uh, we can individually and collectively uh, take. So uh, thank you once again. Uh, you guys are awesome. I'm looking forward to next month already, and uh, I'll be speaking with you offline in the next uh, couple of days. We're going to play a very quick song, Bone Poets Orchestra's Evolve, and then we'll be back with Dr. Barbara Becker Holstein. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. Thank you.
Hercules Invictus, and I'm greatly honored to introduce our next guest, Dr. Barbara Becker-Holstein, who for many years had ventured uh, with me in the fringes of uh, entertainment uh, in New York City. Um, Since that time, which is, uh, I guess, a couple of decades ago at this uh, point, she's done some phenomenally remarkable uh, things. Uh, She's made films. She's written lots of books. So without further ado, uh, greetings and welcome, Barbara. How are you? I'm good, Hercules. It's great to be back with you. Terrific. Oh, it is fantastic. Yes, I've been uh, following some of uh, the links on your uh, Facebook page and through uh, Google searches, and wow, (laughs) you've been very busy. I have been very busy because my passion is uh, very strong for the work I'm doing. It seems to get stronger rather than weaker, so that's good. So, I just want to check. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Okay. Just let me uh, let me make the sound just a little bit louder and let's see how that works. Okay, there we go. Is that better? It's fine. It's I'm fine. just checking whether you can hear me clearly because I'm on the uh, a house line, but I could call you back on my cell phone if it's not good enough. Landlines are actually a little better. Uh, cell yes, phones tend to get staticky at times, especially if uh, you're like me and you walk around while you're talking. So uh, landlines yes, are actually yes. much more stable. So start anywhere you like and uh, enthrall us for the next half hour. Yes. yes. Well, um, I have a particular passion that has developed in the last few months. It's not really something that is happy or welcoming, but for some reason it has caught me up, and that is lockdowns in schools and the anxiety levels that children are faced with experiencing more recently in our society. Um, There is no doubt that kids are anxious at every age level at this point. some, of course, anxiety always exists with kids, and kids prepare for tests and all sorts of things when they become anxious. But I think the anxiety around a possible shooter or other intruder who's considered dangerous in schools, which typically we send our kids there because they are a way to learn and they are safe you know it's not as if we've been sending kids to boot camps you know for hundreds of years or anything so it's just the way it is this is a very new phenomenon that kids are experiencing and I think that people it's not that I can control the necessity it may be a necessity to have lockdowns but I think we have to all understand better 
the effect of lockdowns on kids and how we can help kids. Yes, I, I agree with you 100%, and I have, uh, I have attended uh, several uh, meetings um, I don't know if you're aware, but I'm an elected official in my town. Uh, I'm on the Democratic County Committee, uh, and that great, topic great. has come up several times. And uh, uh, I want to keep our uh, children safe, of course, and I'm a father. Um, and uh, But uh, I am not very comfortable with having uh, people with guns uh, in our school because it hasn't proven effective uh, where there were guns involved uh, and people guarding uh, as uh, uh, we had thought. The, the, the tragedy still happened and the gun did not seem a deterrent. Yes, and I, I have no idea what the best solutions will be, but um, I see myself more as the almost the uh, parakeet in uh i guess it's a canary in the tunnel you know trying to alert people to watch for the anxiety levels in their kids and become active in your own district learn how they're doing lockdowns learn what maybe you can do talking to your kids um and politically become active of course if you possibly can um one of the things that I have found that helps kids, not a complete solution, but it can help a kid a lot, is to make a selfie where he or she talks about what's on her mind or his mind around shootings in schools or other problems beyond, you know, it's not just shootings. But for the moment, I'll stick with that. So let's say the kid goes into his or her bedroom, and they make a selfie where they talk about how they feel about having to go into a, lock, a lockdown. And then, because they love their parents, their parents love them, hopefully they'll be comfortable to share their selfie with their parents. And this can lead to easy conversation or difficult conversation, but it can open the door to sharing some of their fears and their thoughts. And parents, of course, can reassure them. And maybe the kid will bring up something where the parent will say, look, I'm not sure. I'm going to call your principal tomorrow and find out. I'm there for you. Right. So, um I am also, you know, when we used to work together, Hercules, you used to call the work I did, well, I called it the Enchanted Self, and you would call me the Enchantress. You okay. are still my Enchantress. Thank you. Thank you. So over the years, I have developed a new fascination that ties into everything we're talking about when the selfies came out. Um, mm-hmm. My my project, The Enchanted Self, already used the word self. And suddenly I'm confronted with the easiest way that we never could have imagined when we were doing our public access TV shows together that you could just hold your own phone in front of you and make a film and then put it up on YouTube and 
maybe you're going to have 2 million people following you or maybe nobody, but the access is now there. Who would have dreamed of it? So my feeling is that selfies are incredibly important because people need to express themselves and people do like to perform to some extent, show off to some extent, get some uh, sense that they're offering something to the world or to the to a friend via a selfie, whatever it is. And um, I think selfies got a very bad rap the first few years that they came along. Uh-huh. Because people did crazy things. You know, if you were in college, you did a selfie of your roommate on the toilet. You know, I mean, people just had no perspective. You know, anything that's funny or goofy or silly or stupid, it all ended up partly as selfies. And parents never realized how beneficial selfies can be. Even when kids, for example, sitting in the back seat of a car, taking 20 or 30 selfies of herself as she is sitting there bored. And a parent mm-hmm. may turn around and say, you know, stop that. It's stupid. You know, what are you, vain? What are you trying to be, a narcissist? But in reality, if we think back to when we were growing up, we might have st- stood in front of the bathroom mirror looking at ourselves. Right. Now, we couldn't capture a selfie, but that doesn't mean that we didn't do, didn't pose or didn't you know, well, as a girl, I'll speak for myself, take take my hair and fluff it up and change the style or change the angle I'm looking at myself because I needed to know myself. Right. So, okay, so self-knowledge and self-awareness, it's an extremely important, important part of feeling at home with yourself and feeling your power. So all of these things intertwine in the work I've been doing the last few years. It is incredibly awesome. What I've been able to see um, is uh, phenomenal. And uh, I'm glad that you've continued uh, being active in the world and uh, making a difference uh, in people's lives. And although I know that uh, a lot of your work has focused on uh, women and empowerment, uh, mm-hmm. I found that uh, um, it, it's equally applicable to uh, anybody who wants to know themselves better and empower themselves and become uh, more active and effective in the world. So uh, uh, your work is awesome, and I've greatly Thank benefited you. from it. Well, it has led to something I call the Selfie Project, and mm-hmm. I'll talk a little about that because that also ties in the, into my film work I have done one um, show that's 22 minutes long. It's a film that I consider a pilot in which four girls each did selfies at home on subjects that really bother them and that they have feelings around. One did it on a girlfriend who was picking on her in a small group that they all both belonged to and then stopped talking to her, all this kind of isolation. Um, one girl talked about having a first boyfriend and kind of not knowing how to navigate it. Um, and um, one girl talked about 
feeling uh, left out in, in social circles because of social media in part. And after they did their selfies, we eventually brought them together in a round table. And um, I was the expert, but of course, I'm the expert in a pilot that I'm doing and designing and paying for. But uh-huh. I wouldn't be the only expert in a series. And the goal is really to develop some sort of series um, on television or on one of the really, um, you know, valid uh, access routes through the computer nowadays, the streaming and so on, where kids might even um, meet more than once on various subjects. Kids would be on for maybe three weeks in a row, and then there'd be a new set of kids. Some of There'd be boys. You know, it would be a fully-fledged experience around a number of subjects that bother and uh, haunt kids and that they really need help with. You might be an expert one of the weeks. You know, it would depend on what the subjects seem to be and who can handle helping the kids in a half-hour show the best way. So anyway, that was probably the most major filming undertaking that I took um, that really involved uh, a crew and um, four girls. Well, the whole thing, you can only imagine. But that's only one aspect of the selfie project because meanwhile, I've been doing short films based on the two books that I wrote for girls. One is mm-hmm. called The Truth. I think you may have even seen The Truth years ago. Yes, um, I yes The Truth, uh, and the other one is Secrets. And um, they take a girl between years of about 11 and a half to about 13, 13 and a half. And what I've done is ask the girl... There have been two different girls who played the same girl. Asked each of them to take my script and use it very loosely, feel comfortable to use their own language rather than my language, and go home and do many of the scenes again in their bedroom or their living room or out in their backyard, do selfie scenes that they then send to me and we then do some scenes with a crew with the same girls and then we integrate it into a short film about this character that comes alive in the books and now she comes alive in these films. And it's amazing the depth of a of concentration and ability the talents that have come through with the girls when they can do their filming on their own and they can choose their own costume and they can choose what room they're in and it's just amazing i mean the depth level and these are not these girls do play you know do some acting in high school and stuff but it's not as if we're using girls highly you know people highly trained in a theatrical world they're regular high school kids and so far there have been uh, a total of five girls that have um, either been in the selfie project film the two uh, the two girls that have starred as the girl 
from the books and her companions. So there's a total of five that have done their own selfies. And I'm just thrilled. I really think eventually selfie work will become an artistic form, uh, not only in and of itself, as uh, when people perform uh, as a one-man-or-woman kind of show, but um, will be integrated into film work as one way of achieving a depth and authenticity that goes way beyond um, a stylized acting setup. Wow. Uh, And you're helping to make it uh, an art form, and I think that's uh, doubly exciting about the work that you're doing. Yes, it is. And the films have been very well received. I, I think I have, they've been accepted in about 25 film festivals so far total, you know, the whole group of films, and they've won many awards. And um, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I think we've talked a lot when we were able to see each other and we were on those shows. And Yes, yes, I miss I, those You days. know, I feel like a lot of the things we talked about couldn't happen at that time. And Correct. really, many years had to pass before the enchanted self could merge with with the selfies and the recreation of what I was really trying to do could have a place in time and space. I I understand that wholly because I was working on the Age of Heroes, uh, the original Age of Heroes, when I was still in New York, and I declared that the age of the victim is over. And two decades later, uh, now I'm working on it again, and what I had envisioned uh, that didn't happen uh, fully in 20 years uh, is happening now. So it took that long <laughs> to anchor the yes. concept in reality. And I remember uh, talking with you, and we made a pilot, and you were in the pilot, and I traveled down to your home, and we did some filming. Yes. 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 Uh, and that's why when uh, we started uh, catching up again, I saw that a lot of things that we talked about, you've done them, and that, that is awesome. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, you you have a very, very vital energy and you're very, um, you you build up people, but you also are a bit of a visionary and you can kind of encourage someone to not be uh, concerned that it's not happening right now, all of that kind of stuff. And um, so these are really talents that I I knew you had. And uh, when we split up, well, we didn't split up, but, you know, we weren't running, doing the shows anymore. Uh-huh. Um, it was uh, it was a little bit of a loss. And sometimes I still think about getting more of our old films out and finding someone who can get them up on the web. I do have a couple up, but they are um, they may may not even be the best in terms of the visualization. Um, they were good shows. But anyway, so it's so important for people to understand that their potential is there, and yet the timeline is not under always under our discretion, and that we have to remain dedicated to what we feel is a sense of purpose for us being alive right now, and. Um, I see it coming together for me. I I would like my books, The Truth, Diary of a Gutsy Girl, 
tween, I'm sorry, and, and secrets, diary of a gutsy teen, to have a more, a larger place in terms of being in a library. You could go into any library in the United States in the children's uh, room, and at least there'd be one copy. That has not happened. I am the president of the Friends of the Crest Hill Library, and uh, I'm also on their grant writing team, uh, and I am the uh, director of their career services, which I'm developing uh, now. Um, that's a, a part of my work that I do in my community. Um, and uh, if you can get me copies, I will make sure that they're in the Crestia Library <laughs> and accessible to people. Yes, you'll send me your mailing address, and I'll certainly do that. And then who knows, maybe, um, you know, we can get some children to um, who would like to even do some selfie work around the what comes up in the books and I'll even come up for an afternoon or something. If, if you like, I can talk to uh, Michelle. She is the uh, uh, person in charge of all children's programs and I run some children's programs there uh, as well. Uh, so I'm sure she'd be open to our doing, you know, having you come over uh, to do uh, uh, a group. A lot of kids come into the library, especially uh, during after school time. They get out right, around exactly. thirty, and their parents usually pick them up around 6. So that would be an ideal time during the week to uh, run a group. And there are a lot of uh, teenage girls coming in, so that would be perfect. That would be great. So we'll be in touch about all that. You know, so, but it's interesting. I have become, you know, you, well, I don't know. I think at one point you were talking about a book, getting a book to the right people and circulating is probably one of the hardest tasks that one can take on. Yes. And um, for a while I was kind of down in the mouth and felt, you know, the way you feel when you can't fulfill something. And then this whole world opened up with, making uh, films around the girl to the point now where the latest film we're working on is um, ahead of the books. She's now 16 in the latest film. So, you know, the films took over at least my energies because the girl had to stay alive and had to keep moving. And um, that's, that's fine. That's okay right now. Um, but I, I'd love to find a publisher, and I'm sure there's one out there where oh, we sure, could com- sure we could w- yeah where we could combine and, the books with the film excerpts and perhaps even um, a creative part where the kids make their own extension through their own filming of many, many of the subjects that are brought up in the book, um, either extending the story or making their own story as they, just like when you read any fine book, you may be left stimulated, even with a, you know, a Nancy Drew mystery when I was a kid, it stimulates you, what would you write if you were going to write a mystery? So and the sto- on that note, the st- unfortunately, we have to oh, end our okay. journey. 
However, um, w- w- my podcast uh, is uh, not much, but I offer it freely to you uh, whenever you would like to uh, um, spread the word about all the exciting things uh, that you're doing. And uh, I'd be very open to your being uh, a regular guest. So that's something else that we can uh, speak of. And, uh, um, and there are other things that uh, um, are inspired by what you said uh, tonight that I can discuss with you. So um, this weekend is not a good time for me, but next week I have uh, time. Can we communicate by phone next week? Yeah, absolutely. And may, for sure, it's a great week next week. And let me, can I just mention the main website for people? Oh, of course you can. I was going to ask yeah. you, sure. Yeah, the best way to find me is EnchantedSelf.com. And um, I think you'll like going there. We, I've just made some changes, and there is actually a little excerpt from one of the more recent films I've just done around a lockdown. So take a look at it and think about lockdowns as well as all sorts of wonderful things. But, um, you know, everything counts and everything has to be attended to. And I'm doing my part and Hercules is doing his part. And I send wishes to all of you that you'll do your part. Thank you very much. Those are wonderful words uh, on which uh, to close. And I'm really excited about working with you again, Barbara. Uh, We did some amazing uh, things uh, back in the day, and uh, now we've been seasoned with an additional two decades. It's been that long. Uh, (laughs) So we'll do even more amazing things. Okay. All right. Good night for now. Good night for now. And we're going to take a brief break. I couldn't find the song Queen of Dreams, but I found King of Dreams. So we'll play that in honor of Barbara. And then we'll be on with our next uh, guest, uh, which is Ellen Maxson, who's wrote an awesome book on Ascension.
Greetings and welcome back to Pride of Olympus. I am Hercules Invictus, and our next guest is Ellen Maxson, who wrote a wonderful book on Ascension, and this segment is called Ascension 101. Um, Ellen, it must be noted, will soon be a regular guest, and uh, we will be using this segment uh, to share her wisdom on the Ascended Masters and other topics. Greetings and welcome, Ellen. How are you tonight? Hi, Hercules. I'm very well, and thank you for asking. I'm excited about tonight's... uh, Me too. (laughs) We're calling it podcast or radio show. Um, Um, I was calling it a radio show for the longest time, and then people kept correcting me and calling it a podcast. So you can do either. I'm I'm fine with uh, both. Okay. I have to start figuring out what's what. But um, I was going to speak on the Ascended Masters, but I thought, you know, a lot of times people don't understand what their relationship is to Ascended Masters. And I said, I really think I should educate people on who they are, where they come from, what their own divine origin is, so they have a better understanding of who they are on a spiritual level and where they're going, and it will really open up a greater understanding of our relationship to Ascended Masters and how we're not so very far away from them, how they really are our brothers and sisters. So I thought I would would do that first. I thought that was a good way to start. How does that sound? That sounds incredibly awesome, and in fact, it was what I was going to ask you to do once the show is a regular show. So uh, you read my mind, or you were inspired to say that, so go right ahead. Okay, great. Um, The Ascended Masters have given us an invaluable key to understanding this, the cosmic mystery, the keys that open up the doors to fulfilling our soul's longing for oneness with spirit, because we all feel that. And we wonder where that really comes from, okay? Um, mm-hmm. knowing, knowing who we are can help unlock the secrets of our individual destiny, and it reveals our true nature as spiritual beings with tremendous light energy at our disposal. Um, we, can unravel beginning to, we can begin to unravel the mystery of being by going to the place where God has created us and where God dwells. Uh, we can discover the unique mission in if we know who we are and where we come from, okay? And when I say God, I, I don't want to refer to, it's not an anthropomorphic being, but to an omnipresent spirit of light, love, and power that pervades the entire universe, and it's the source of all life, okay? Um mm-hmm. Okay. In the beginning, when God said the word, let there be light, there was the light of the Father, Mother, God expanded the light when they said that by giving birth to individual spirit sparks. Each of these Mm -hmm. sparks was an exact replica of the energy of God's being. And those sparks became each child of God us. Um, Another name for the spirit was also called the I am presence. And that was a name that has been given to it because Moses was given that name on Mount Sinai when, when they said, you know, what is your name? I am that I am. 
Um, so that is the source. I am that I am. And when these spirit sparks were given out as the children of God, it was a perfect atom of reality that each one of us was as God. Okay. And it's mm-hmm. called our I am presence, which is the energy field of God consciousness that hovers above each of us and nourishes our bodies, minds, and our souls. It's fed from the light of the great central sun. So it's a never-ending source of light. Okay? Um, Mm -hmm. And although God has multiplied his presence billions of times over, he's still one undivided whole. And we feel that here. There's a web of light that's woven between all people of light on earth. And we're never really alone. And people feel that's true, but we feel much closer to that oneness when we get more attuned to our God self, okay? The I am presence that's with all of creation and each of us individually, um, it's always with us, even though we may not always feel that, okay? Our dense bodies have really removed us quite a bit from this, beautiful light presence which we truly are and um you know sometimes we don't feel exactly the spiritual selves that we know we are but um there are ways of of recommitting to that and re-inspiring it and one of the ways is just by saying the own and it's uh been shown um there's an experiment that, that i can't remember who did it like in a sand uh, when they do O, it actually forms the line of the Tantra, of the the um, triangle of the Father, Mother, God, the, the Trinity, ascending mm-hmm. and descending, multiplied many times over. So it, it recalibrates that and brings it into alignment. So I thought this would be a good time for everyone to say the O three times. That sounds good so everybody can get centered. Okay, let's take three deep breaths first. Let's, oh, you're, you're way ahead of me. <laughs> okay, I was going to do three deep breaths so we can really get that, that air going, okay? We'll go. Okay. You can say it now to everybody. Say it to themselves. Okay. Okay, good. So we can feel that oneness begin to, you know, come into our being again, and that's a good thing. Um, Far from being created as exact replicas, each one of us has been endowed with a potential to manifest individuality and creativity, okay? And we're each given a special mission, but it's up to us to, you know, put our own creativity and imagination into it. It's definitely not like a preordained situation. We're just given a divine blueprint, but we each flesh it out, and by doing so, we are actually increasing the size of the universe because that's why God had children is to help create, a, get the universe bigger and bigger through co-creativity. 
So that's like a really great thing to do, okay? Uh, It doesn't mean that our fates are predestined. God provided the matrix and the pattern, and we're here to fill it in with our own creativity. Okay. That's an important point because a lot of people feel, uh, you know, once these uh, basic things about the divine and our relationship to it are understood, uh, a lot of people uh, go through a period where they think that they're robots or that everything's predetermined and they're kind of like puppets. Uh, so that is not true. We're, we are very much uh, um, possessing a free will, and a, and our creativity, our own individual self-expression, is part of the equation. Uh, you know, we're not just mere tools. Yeah, I mean, it's really at, at one point in my life, I was really experimenting on how prayer worked and and everything like that. And uh, I remember I had moved back to New York for a while, and I was. Uh, staying in a friend's house and I knew I would have to leave soon because the other person who I was taking their place was coming back. And mm-hmm. I was saying, Oh God, I'll go anywhere you think I should go. And I'll, I'll live anywhere you think I should go and I'll work anywhere. And nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And it's like, Oh God, mm-hmm. I'll do anything. You know, but no, God doesn't want to be your, you know, you don't want to be your puppet master. Right. And I remember I went down to the village, and I, when I was younger, I spent a lot of time there, and I was like, you know, I sort of like to live in the village. And the minute I said that, somebody called me and said, oh, I heard you're looking for a place to live. I happen to have a place on on, in Soho. Mm -hmm. It was like crazy. The minute I put my input and my desire, everything broke loose. So it really was a huge lesson to me on God doesn't want to make up your mind for you. He wants co-creativity. He wants you to put your ideas into it, your pattern, and God will make it even better than you ever imagined. So that was like a huge lesson for me. And I've always remembered that God wants your input. You don't have to figure it all out. God will actually do that. But you can definitely put the blueprint out so God has something to work with. That's really a critical part of the co-creativity thing. Okay. So one of the things that I think is really important is we were created in the beginning as this atom of perfection in the higher octaves. How did Mm -hmm. we come into physical reality? How did we come into um, into denser realms? Well, the interesting thing, many people know, about twin flames and soulmates, but they don't really understand it thoroughly. And I think I wanted to go into that because I think that it answers a lot of questions. Okay. Um, Most people have a perpetual search search for like the perfect per other person, the other part of themselves. Everybody feels that other part, but they just don't understand what it is. In reality, when you were created in the beginning, you were a perfect atom of the father, mother, yin and yang, perfect balanced self in the higher octaves. And that is the realm of um, oneness. But as we came into the physical realm, it is the realm of duality. So in order to manifest, that perfect wholeness had to divide into half. And it was divided into half. One half was the feminine part. And one half was the masculine part. And those became twin flames. 
there is a perfect twin flame for everyone. And as we started descending into more dense realms, they weren't quite the physical realms, yet they were the higher octaves, the etheric realm, where we came and everything was like perfect because we were, you know, hand in hand, side by side with our twin flame doing everything. But over millennia, people started making karma. And this energy field of denseness began building around each of those individual twin flames. Over time, that denseness built up so much that the twin flames didn't even recognize each other. And that's why many times we walk the earth feeling that there's another perfect half. But in reality, we have so much denseness around us, we might pass in the night our other twin flame and, and not even recognize each other. Or they may not be an embodiment now. There's been many embodiments where we've been separated. They say the perfect way to meet your twin flame again is to make your ascension go back to your causal body, the I am presence, where you have a date <laughs> with your perfect <laughs> other half. <laughs> so that's another reason to think seriously about the ascension. <laughs> but uh, it's good to know that in truth, we do have another perfect half, which will make us completely whole. Soulmates are individuals where we're sort of helpmates. We've been together in other lifetimes. We've worked together helped each other, possibly have been married, possibly have been, you know, father, son, mother, daughter, sisters, brothers, many relationships, but not the one perfect twin flame. There is only one of those for each of us, and no one can ever fill that part. But, you know, we may not meet them in the physical environment. So the best thing is to, to forget that and look forward to making your ascension where eventually you will have a, a date when they either they might have made their ascension already or they may not have. So um, that's a, a really important thing to understand. There is a perfect other half for each person. And so that puts everybody's mind at peace. <laughs> you know, you can stop looking and start Working towards your own ascension, where you do have a date with your other twin, your other, your other self, your other. And I must say that that is the most original approach to an explanation of ascension that I've ever heard. You know, uh, nobody else has ever introduced the dating possibilities and, and the advantages <laughs> of uh, having a perfect relationship with ascension. So thank you. That that is awesome. Yeah, it really it makes it makes you feel like you know. You're not a loser, and you have, the fact that you haven't found your other perfect half, maybe they're just not an embodiment, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. But but you do have that other perfect half, so you can relax, you know. <laughs> it's, just, it's cool. <laughs> just the mission is to become whole yourself so you can get to your higher self again, okay? So that's really mm-hmm. important. Okay. Now, um, one of the things, uh-huh. uh, before you proceed, I have one more question because, uh, this is something that has come up in conversation uh, repeatedly. Um, I, why are we given amnesia uh, before we come here? Because it increases the possibility of uh, generating karma, and then it's like being in debt. You know, you, you incur karmic uh, debt, and there's interest mm-hmm. on it too. Uh, but if you have amnesia, uh, you can't really retain everything you learned uh, uh, from past experiences, except on a deep soul level. So why is it structured in that way? Well, this is my understanding of it on a personal level. Say, um, you know, a lot of people 
in this century have been in, say, wars, Vietnam wars, the World War II, um, with a lot of negative images that really, you know, like when people came back from the World War II, the men, they, they never spoke of it, right? It was too horrendous to even share. They chose to just bury it. And it's like we've had many, many, many lifetimes, all of us have, with many memories that would actually probably um, make us unable to function if we carried all those memories with us. So that's my understanding, that we can sort of start with a clean slate. Um, Okay. You know, because we would have a lot of stuff that we might not be, we might be, you know, unable to, to function. So we start with a clean slate, a little bit of an innocence, and um, our soul, you know, people come in who they are. I mean, some people, you know, even children have very different energies, and uh, you sort of come in who you were, a continuation from previous lifetimes. Um, You don't change that much. You don't become another individual. You're not born an animal or something like that. You are sort of the person you left off at your last embodiment, but that body no longer served. And so it was time for you to leave. And when it's time for you to take another body, you continue your journey to self-perfectionment. Okay. Without all the baggage of negative memories and stuff like that. I mean, most of us have inklings of things and we try to work at healing them as much as we can but does that make sense that makes a lot of uh, sense yeah so i think that's the reason we're given that veil of forgetfulness um but um yeah Yeah, in uh in greek uh ancient greek belief it it was uh, seen as uh a benefit also, and there was a place in the afterlife, uh, uh, the field of asphodels, it was called, and it was near the river Leith. Uh, and uh, when people were thirsty, they drank from the Leith, and the Leith uh, gave you forgetfulness. Uh, and also, before assuming incarnation, uh, you had to drink from the, the Leith. Uh, and unless you were able to um, not quench your thirst, um, and you were incarnated, then you, you had memories of lives uh, before. So this is a, a, like the ancient theosophy rather than the post-Bobaskian uh, theosophy. Mm-hmm. And they, in, that, in those days, they really did communicate with gods and goddesses. As they walked yes. in the earth, they'd say that people, you know, walked around speaking to them all the time. So they did have a lot of wisdom. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Now, we, I, I've decided because we, we're, we're always uh, running out of, uh, of time. The next time I have you on, I have to give you a whole hour <laughs> because we just scratched <laughs> the surface. Uh, and you are very articulate and knowledgeable. Uh, and I want to have a few moments so you could uh, tell people about your book and where they can get it and how they can contact you should they choose to. Okay. Okay. Um, well, the best thing to do is go on Amazon. I have been a little lazy about getting my website going. Uh, I'm going to be doing that. Um, my book is called The Ascension, A Handbook for God's Children. And my name is Ellen J.B. Maxson. That's M-A-X-S-O-N. So if you put in Ellen Maxson, The Ascension, A Handbook for God's Children, 
Uh, you should come up with it. It has a pretty interesting cover with a pyramid and DNAs coming up, so you'll recognize it with that. And, um, yeah, it has a lot of mysteries. It's best not to, like, rush through it. Just, just integrate each of the chapters as they come and try to learn the mysteries in them and think about them. I think that's the best way to read that. And how can folks uh, contact you till you get your website up? Uh, is there a number or an email or any way they can uh, get in contact with you or through Amazon? I'll, I'll, well, I'll give you my email. It's okay. emaxson, M-A-X-S-O-N, at ymail.com. Very easy to remember. And uh, um, I was talking to some of our earlier guests uh, tonight in the first segment of the show called The Magisterial Mission of Maitreya. And uh, part of that show is uh, we're exploring different theosophical expressions. Theosophy is a lot more widespread than people think or know Mm -hmm. uh, because it expresses itself through different vocabularies. Uh, So unless you're familiar with theosophy, uh, things are going to seem very different when actually they're quite similar or the same. And uh, all of these ways are different approaches to the ancient wisdom. And as Dion Fortune and other people have pointed out, um, if you even if uh, everything about theosophy was burned uh, and destroyed, uh, people can still tap into where theosophy comes from uh, through spiritual practices. So, you know, you can't really get rid of uh, theosophy. It's our divine heritage, uh, and it contains yes, the information it was, that we it need. Yes, it was actually in- inspired by the Ascended Masters, who have inspired many movements, who have given many teachings over the, the past, especially, especially century, and each one sort of builds upon the next, which is totally cool, you know, but the same ascended masters keep coming back and trying to yes. give us the wisdom, you know. So that's, you know, just, just it's, it's great to know that they don't give up on us. <laughs> no, they don't. They have incredible patience. And um, I have a, a theurgy forum currently where um, people who are theurgists, that was part of the ancient theosophy in uh, and there's a new theurgy, which is more cosmopolitan, uh, even though the old theurgy is pretty cosmopolitan as well. And uh, theurgists uh, um, who are who've written books and who uh, are, you know, recognized lights in theurgy have been discussing theurgy old and new uh, on a forum. Uh, I'm forming a theosophy to invite you to be one of the panelists. Uh, so we oh, would... Have a show. How do you and spell that? T T O G T T H E U R G Y. Second Theurgy. Wow. Haven't heard that. Expressions like with theosophy, at its lowest expressions, it was like mad, you know, like a low magic, as they call it. And at its highest expression, it was divine uh, magic, you know, divine transformation and ascension or apotheosis, like they used to call it uh, back in the day. Um, So, Ellen, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to our continuing uh, adventure. Um, I really am glad I came to the uh, Health Expo and that we connected. And uh, thank you for all the wonderful uh, information and insight you provided tonight. Thank you, Hercules. You have a beautiful week. You too. And thanks to all who joined us. Uh, Until next time, this is uh, Hercules and Ellen wishing you joyous journeys and amazing adventures.
for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember, all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. <laughs>